You know, I have had moments where I wonder whether I should talk so publicly about it because I'll be honest, this isn't the only incident. It's just the worst one that I've had while traveling abroad. Um, so going to Morocco, it was very culturally shocking to experience a country where women's rights are at a very different place. And I think this is reality in a lot of countries around the world. On this episode, we discuss how awful it is that in 2020, women's rights and equality are still in very different places all across the world. And while losing expectations of things being exactly the same as your home country just might make your trip more enjoyable and why it's important to travel for what a country has as opposed to what a country doesn't. Today is going to be a tough discussion, but it's a discussion that we must continue to have. listening to the Travel Horror Stories podcast, a show that listens to real stories from travel bloggers and travelers just like you. Then we unpack those stories to discuss safety tricks, prevention treats, horror hacks, and follow-up tactics. The goal is to turn travel nightmares into dreams of beaches, sunshine, and margaritas. And as always, you can head over to TravelHorrorStoriesPodcast.com for this and all the previous episodes, their show notes, and links to all the other places you enjoy listening to podcasts. If you're listening via Apple Podcasts, don't forget to give the episode a five-star rating and leave a comment because that will help more people find the show. And now, live from the Rudderless Travel Studios in downtown Toronto, Canada, here's your host, Christopher Rudder. Unfortunately, my friends, we are back on track to the hashtag winter is coming weather. This after a weekend and almost a whole week of gorgeous spring-like weather, I sincerely hope that you guys got out and had a chance to enjoy it. It was absolutely beautiful, but I'm super stoked that you guys are joining me right now, and uh, we have a really great episode for you, which I will try not to ruin by talking about COVID-19 and the second wave shit. <laughs> With me today <laughs> on this rudderless ship is Aaron Hines from the travel blog, Pina Travels, and from the podcast, Alpaca My Bags. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. And uh, how are you surviving with this uh, <laughs> coronavirus pandemic? Uh, I mean, like, it took a few days to accept that this is probably going to be reality for the next while. That was tough, but I think now I'm sort of just getting used to a new routine. Um, a little gutted because we had to cancel, obviously, a lot of our upcoming travel. But mm, yeah. I'm looking forward to this um, being beat, and then hopefully we can get back to traveling. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It, it, it that's you bring up a very good point. It's almost like the new normal of trying to find a routine. Uh, you know like staying up late now watching TV, which is something I never used to do um, or getting bored of TV or 
trying to figure out how not to kill my significant other or how <laughs> not to beat each other up because we're stuck in this condo like all day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. We're having the same conversations every once in a while. I'm like, or one of us will say, okay, now I'm going into the room. I'm closing the door and I just need <laughs> an hour to myself. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's exactly what's happening here. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> I know, I know. Tell us about yourself and tell us about your blog and your podcast. Sure. So my name is Erin. I'm also known as Pina, which is a sort of, it's a bit of a joke how that name came about. But if you want to find out how, you'll have to listen to my podcast, which is <laughs> called Alpaca My Bags. Um, so the podcast and my blog are definitely connected, but I work on the podcast with someone else, um, my wonderful producer, Katie. And both focus on travel through a critical lens. So we're hoping to educate people about how to think about travel critically and approach it with things like sustainability and feminism and um, inclusivity rather than just viewing it as like, oh, this is something I do for fun. I think um, given my educational background, I've sort of been trained to look at everything really critically, which can be bad sometimes, but I think it, it, it's also powerful to educate people. And so, yeah, so we delve into topics like animal tourism and dark tourism um, and racism while traveling. Issues like that are brought up often, and we always bring in a really qualified guest to talk about these issues. Yeah, it's your yeah, your podcast is really great. Um, I remember that dark tourism episode, and I was like, "Why is this guy going into places like that? What's wrong with him?" <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, the episode that you did with uh, Indigenous that was really really great. I love I love your stuff. It's fantastic. I've been really listening to everything, and I'm actually sort of pissed off that just in talking to you, I just found out that there's a whole bunch of episodes that I completely missed. Uh, that are all at the beginning somehow. Um, damn you, iTunes Store and podcasts. I don't know. Figure out a way to display the episodes properly because I completely couldn't find like almost one entire season. Well, it's good timing because now you have lots of time at home to listen to more podcasts. So. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. Okay. Um, all right. So let's play a little game. Three stories, two truths, one lie. Okay. Yes. Let's do it. Okay, all right, so go ahead. So I'm telling you three stories and two of them are truth and one of them is a lie. Yeah, I should probably explain the rules for the audience. So <laughs> um, we're playing three stories, two truths and one lie. And uh, so you're going to tell me three stories. Two of them are going to be true. One of them is a lie. And I'm going to try to figure out which one is a lie. Okay, story number one. Um, so a couple years ago, I was doing an overnight trek in the northern part of Cambodia. Um, so it was two days of trekking. I think we trekked like 25 kilometers. Um, and one day I was out in front of the guide that was with me and I encountered a Burmese python. Um, this is a snake that can grow to almost 20 feet long. <laughs> Um, so I was hiking out in front of my guide and I saw movement ahead of me and I was really curious about it so I sprinted ahead towards it because I thought it was a lizard like from what I could see I was like oh it's just a big lizard um, instead I encountered a massive python slithering right ahead of me into the jungle so that is story number one 
Okay. Uh, story number two. I got attacked by a cat in a bar in Guatemala. Um, so I was out enjoying drinks and this wonderful cat came over to me and I was patting it and I was like, oh, I love this cat. And then next thing I know, it had latched onto my arm with its teeth. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so I stood there literally swinging my arm around, screaming, this cat like hanging off of it. It looked like a cartoon, like this cat swinging around. <laughs> I and could totally see the visual. <laughs> screaming at my partner, Lucas, to try to get it off of me. And he finally scruffed it and got it off of me. And at first I was like, oh, everything's fine. Just a little bite, it'll be great. Then I came back to Canada and got a little bit paranoid about it because, I mean, rabies. And so oh, I called yeah. public health and they told me to go immediately to the closest clinic, which I did, uh, where I was told that I was going to have to get six injections in one city, two of which went into the bum. It was not pleasant. Mm. Um, and then I had to come back for round two. So the moral of the story is do not touch animals when you're traveling abroad. Wow. Uh, story number three. So this was when my partner and I were in India. Um, we were spending a couple days in Mumbai, just exploring the city. And my partner and I had decided to hire a tuk-tuk driver for the day because, okay, you pay a flat fee and he'll take us wherever we want to go. And we were spending most of the day dropping by museums and uh, temples. And so it was towards the end of the day. And we read our last stop, literally, and we went into this temple. And as we came out, we saw our tuk tuk driver, who was like waiting on the side of the street, get hit by another vehicle, another tuk tuk. And we saw him like double over. And so, because he was standing in the street, and if if you've been to India, you know the streets are very packed, and so it's quite easy to like get snipped by a vehicle as it passes by. And so, when we got to him, we saw that he had hurt his foot. His foot had been run over, um, and so we were like, "We need to take you to a hospital right now." And he was in so much pain that my partner and I were like. There's no way he can drive right now. So my partner, Lucas, had to get into the front seat of this tuk-tuk. This is day three in India. And he had to drive us to the nearest hospital, which was about a 20-minute drive. So not only did he have to learn how to drive a tuk-tuk, um, but he had to drive in Indian traffic, which is no small feat. Um, but luckily, we got our tuk-tuk driver there and um, stayed with him in the hospital, and he ended up okay. So good ending to that story. <laughs> okay um the thing is is that every single one of your stories or like the amount of detail you put into each one is like now i don't even know <laughs> okay so i'm gonna break it down i'm gonna cheat a little bit because i listen to your podcast i know about the snake story because <gasps> um, you told that story in the podcast. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's true. The story about your cat, uh, I've heard that story as well <laughs> in a podcast as well. <laughs> so I'm going to go with the tuk tuk driving as the lie. You are correct. <laughs> I should have considered like this this insight you have. You know too much about me. <laughs> you know it's it, it's it's a little bit unfair, but um, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, 
it was a good try. Now, I know that you're in India. So with regards to the Tuk Tuk driver, I know that's a lie. But is there something that is similar that happened along that lines or? Um, a little bit. We did. We have gotten into an accident in India. It was like it wasn't a major accident, but it's pretty much guaranteed that that will happen if you spend oh, a long period of time in India. So we saw a lot of uh, like tuk-tuks getting hit or vehicles falling over and our own tuk-tuk was hit at one point. So um, I felt like that was a good story because it is quite plausible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you that Ironically, the rabies story also happened to me in India, except (laughs) (laughs) it was a cat again. This is one of my faults. I love cats so much that I just cannot say no to petting them. And it's like a fight that Lucas and I I have when we travel together because he's always yelling at me, do not touch that cat, do not touch the cat. (laughs) And when it happened in India, I had to go to the hospital Every, I think it was every six days and get a shot. So oh my gosh. for about a month, we were constantly in Indian hospitals getting rabies vaccines. So wait a minute. You're telling me that you got bit by a cat twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> I, I know. I need to stop touching animals. What would you do if while exploring Marrakesh, Morocco, you dip down an alleyway on your way back to your accommodation where you suddenly find yourself fending off a male attacker? That's exactly what happened to Aaron. Aaron, uh, <laughs> tell me about this story. I mean, I'm just going to prefix this by saying that uh, unfortunately, uh, your story is now the third story that I've done uh, that has to deal with sexual assault um, by a male uh, with a female traveler. I wish I could say something different, but your story is actually the third story. So, I mean, it's, this is really an issue. And so I'm, I'm really grateful that I know it's not easy to talk about these things, but I'm really grateful that you are taking the time to speak on this because (laughs) this needs to stop. This is out of control. It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have had moments where I wonder whether I should talk so publicly about it because I'll be honest, this isn't the only incident. It's just the worst one that I've had while traveling abroad. Um, Ultimately, I think it's really important that women are aware that especially when you come from Canada, I mean, like the reality is when it comes to gender parity as well as social equality, for women in Canada. Of course, there's still a lot of work to be done here. But I think personally, up until traveling Morocco, I had really taken for granted the freedoms that I have here and grew up with here. So going to Morocco, it was very culturally shocking to experience a country where women's rights are at a very different place. And I think this is reality in a lot of countries around the world. And it's very easy to forget that and when you're traveling as a woman especially it's important to to understand the culture that you are headed into to know 
what kinds of precautions you will need to take because they will be different than the precautions you would need to take here at home. Right. Um, and we'll get we'll get into that in a second after, because I really want to hear your insight on it um, after you tell your story, because I do listen to your podcast. You talk about very specifically about the difference of you traveling by yourself as a solo female traveler. And then when you started traveling with Lucas and how that changed, how you're treated. Um, so I definitely love to talk about that as well, because I think that plays uh, a role in this whole story as well, because I myself, I've been to Marrakesh, Morocco, and I have a very different experience than you. <laughs> yeah. It's different from the perspective of the prejudging. So because I have dreads, I can't tell you how much people offered me hash when I'm walking down the street <laughs> or were asking me for hash oh if I have God. it. So just a completely different mindset. Um, I'm just going to put that there for one second. What inspired you to go to Morocco and how did that whole thing come about? Uh, Morocco had always been on my list. I honestly, I can't, I don't even know why. I had traveled a lot in Europe. Um, mm -hmm. I'd spent four months traveling there by myself and right. encountered a lot of travelers there who had been to Morocco because of the proximity. A lot of backpackers will go down to Morocco from Spain. And so I think that's where the idea first was planted in my mind. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I just found flights that were affordable one day and thought, I'm going to do it. Um, so, yeah, so I booked the trip and flew into Marrakesh. And Marrakesh was where I spent my first few days before. I think I was there a total of three weeks traveling around the country, but spent right. the bulk of my time in the beginning in Marrakesh. And I will say the first few days were a little bit nerve wracking for me because I had always traveled in Europe. That was most of the exposure that I'd had up until this point. Right. And Europe is socially very similar to Canada. And so I hadn't been faced with real culture shock yet. Oh, yeah. And I'll note, like, I was quite young when this happened. I think I was 22. So this is right. now, I'm 30 now. So this is eight years ago. And I mean, at the time I thought I was like old and mature, but now looking back, like 22 is very young to be traveling by yourself, especially in regions like that. And uh -huh. so the first few days I do remember feeling a little bit overwhelmed. Um, I remember initially just feeling like there were always eyes on me. Mm. Um, I am blonde and I think that that sometimes draws a lot of attention to me, um, I'll note that like I did my best to follow the cultural norms. So I did wear loose clothing and keep myself covered. Right. Um, and I think that actually is an interesting point to bring up because I'm not sure that doing that saved me much from mm. the added attention that I got. Right. Um, so regardless of all of this, I was having an amazing time. Um, one afternoon I was walking back from the main square there and my hostel was in an alley. So you had to walk. It wasn't that long, maybe like 45 seconds. You were walking through an alleyway sort of off one of the main alleys. If you know Marrakesh, you know that it's famous for its um, very complex um, maze of, of alleyways. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I was in like, I think I stayed in a Riyadh. So the Riyadh, like once you get inside, it's like this big open 
space. But in order to get there, you are going through these little alleyways and, and side streets and stuff like that. Exactly. And it's quite interesting how like quickly it can go from the main alley or the main streets will be very, very busy. But then in just a moment, you can turn off into an alleyway and it's complete silence. That's right. So yeah. this, this was one of those alleys where it was like very quiet and residential. And I was walking down the alley and felt a presence behind me. I think this is something that a lot of women can relate to. You sort of have a sense of awareness of what's around you in a different way, I think, if you're a woman. And so I knew right away that someone was very close behind me. I'm already getting goosebumps, man. Yeah, and I'm, I, I instantly felt nervous. And I picked up my pace and felt this person coming closer. And then he spoke to me. He said, can I have some money? Um, and I told him, no, I don't have any sorry. And I kept moving and he asked me again for money. And I said, no, again. And then he full on grabbed me and pushed me up against a wall and assaulted me. Oh my gosh. And so I instantly began screaming and I'm so thankful that I had that reaction. I know that like a lot of women report that your fight or flight reaction can be very different. Um, luckily, mine was not to shut down. Mine was to fight back and scream, which I did. Um, so he had me up against the wall maybe for like 30 seconds. It wasn't very long uh, before someone came running. So very luckily, someone in a nearby home came out and started screaming at him. Um, and yeah, I was released and I walked back to my hostel. And yeah, I just remember lying in my bed and thinking about what I would do because I was very traumatized from that. Oh and I think, I think it was addedly tra traumatic for me because it was the middle of the day and people had told me, avoid evenings and nighttime if you're alone, but during the day it should be okay. And so this right. felt like, I felt like I had been doing everything right to take care of myself. Right. Um, and then the other factor was that it was a really young Moroccan boy who did this. I think that he would have been between 12 and 16. And what? as an adult woman, it felt very, it felt very, I'm going to be honest, like it felt f***ed up that someone that young felt that they could be that powerful. Yeah, yeah. As an adult woman. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that's like there's so many layers right there because that in itself is is, is its own issue. So now we're we're gonna we have to have a discussion around how young men are are raised mm -hmm. because clearly if they feel that they can do that at that age, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So my background is actually in gender studies, and I've done a lot of research into the responses that women have to sexual assault. And they do report that a lot of the time women will, your brain will sort of forget what happened, and it's meant to protect you. This segment is brought to you by GPS My City. Do you love exploring cities on foot at your own pace? Well, GPS My City's mobile apps, available on iOS and Android, feature self-guided city walks and GPS-powered travel articles written by travel bloggers and travel content creators for over 1,000 cities worldwide. Visit the link in the show notes to learn more. All right, let's break this down. Usually for this segment of the show, uh, I would usually ask the guests, you know, what they felt they did right, what they felt they did wrong, and what they felt 
they could have done differently uh, based on the givens on the given circumstances. However, in this particular situation, uh, I find it difficult to ask that question. What could you have done differently or what do you feel that you did wrong? Uh, because I don't want you or anyone else that have been through this type of experience to feel that they have done something wrong. So instead, I want to ask you, what do you feel you learned from this situation or what is your takeaway from this situation? Because I know that you're a very analytical person. I don't think that I did anything wrong. And I think that's something that women need to hear. There was no way to protect myself from this incident. Um, okay, got you. It was literally timing that I happened to be in that alleyway at the same time as this boy. I don't know if he had been following me for how long. I mean, the only real mistake you could say is like, oh, you went to Morocco and you were walking around Marrakesh by yourself as a woman. But I take Gosh, issue yeah. with this this criticism because women should not be held back from the same experiences that men have such freedom to experience. And the reality of it is that this, I wouldn't say this exact same incident has happened to me at home in Toronto, but I have been assaulted at home in Canada. So the reality for women is that this will happen anywhere in the world. Yeah. And so I don't agree that there's any way that I could have avoided this. I think as far as it goes, like I was doing all the right things according to like what you would read or what people would tell you. And what were some of those things that they that they were suggesting? Because I mean, my first question um, was going to be what time was it? But then you already said that it was like it was afternoon-ish. It wasn't late, like it mm -hmm. wasn't nighttime. Yeah, so generally what they tell women when they're traveling, um, in regions where there isn't as much gender parity, uh, stay off the streets at night, dress modestly. They often say don't make any eye contact with local mm -hmm. people, um, right. which is something that I do. And yeah, that's really it. There's not much you can do wow. beyond that. My gosh, okay. Be, be well aware of your surroundings. But I, at least like personally, I feel that that's something I do just as much at home as I do when I'm traveling. Wow. And and I totally agree with you. And and I mean, I, because you bring up, you're very point blank. It's kind of like, you know, it's either I just don't go there because that's the only advice that I can have. And that's mm -hmm. really not fair. Um, is there anything that you, um, when you look back at it afterwards, because I'm sure you reflected on it, what thoughts come to mind? Um, yeah, I've reflected on this a lot. As I said earlier in our conversation, I think that this was my first experience, like really understanding culture shock, because okay. admittedly, like I don't feel a lot of anger towards that boy personally. Okay. I've taken the time to realize that he is a product of that particular culture and right. this kind of behavior is much more normalized right. in that culture. And as a traveler, I think that it's important to consider this when you travel um, because you cannot hold people in a foreign country, in their country, to the same standards that you are used to back at home. Mm, that's a very good point. 
Yeah, and I can point to another example of this. When I traveled in India with my partner, Luke, um, I was older, so much more experienced. I had traveled much more, and I did get a lot of um, attention, like not very pleasant attention while traveling in India as right. a woman. And I noticed, like, we, we were there for two months, so we had a lot of time to process the way that we were both treated there. And my partner would get very frustrated at um, the way that men looked at me or tried to touch me or talk to me. And it was interesting to me because I had gotten to a place in life where I understood that this was going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it because it is cultural. And I'm a guest in this country, so it is not my place to fight back unless it's unless my direct safety is threatened, I'm not going to try to argue with an Indian man about my feminist rights. It doesn't make sense. And my partner had a lot more trouble grappling with this. And I think it's because he had never seen this kind of behavior yet in life. Mm. Um, You bring up a very good point because um, that's, you're looking at the culture, but we tend to do that with everything else when you think about it, like we look for things that we know we have here in Canada, like safety or hygiene, or uh, we we're constantly comparing things to the standards that we know exist here in Canada. We really shouldn't. So what do you do now to protect yourself? Like with, I mean, not that you, again, not that you can change their minds or change their outlooks or anything like that, but what do you do for yourself to protect yourself the best that you can? Ooh, honestly, it's much easier now because most of my travel I do with my partner. And this is an interesting um, insight into like. (laughs) That was going to be. That was yeah. going to be my next question. So if you want to just jump to that. <laughs> sure, because I, I think it's like the natural direction of this conversation is that like things really changed for me when I started to travel with my male partner most of the time because um, in a lot of countries, uh, having a male partner means that you will be more respected and more protected. And so it was really interesting to go from like traveling mostly on my own to traveling with my partner because it felt much easier. I my feel gosh. much safer now traveling. <laughs> and it's sad. Like I, I'm not happy that it is this way. <laughs> <laughs> because that's I think I think the solo female travelers are like, yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's yeah, we should still be able to travel and but then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, it's safer to travel with your male partner. And then it's yeah. like, oh damn. <laughs> but it's also like I don't want women to feel like, oh, this is the only way I can travel at ease. Because, Neither do I. That's yeah. What the, <laughs> yeah. So, so how do we square that circle? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just like coming to terms with the fact that like patriarchy is very much still an issue all over this planet. I like your advice about protecting yourself. Like if you're immediate, if you're in, immediately in danger, like, you know, culture or no culture, um, you need to protect your own body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, there's no point in trying to argue with a man, trying to convince a man from another country that they shouldn't think like that or they shouldn't behave like that. Clearly, if this if this child is willing to do what he did to you, then that just goes to show 
uh, how young they are made to believe that that's okay. So there's no way that you're going to convince a 20-year-old man, a 30-year-old man, a 40-year-old man, a 50-year-old man that he shouldn't be doing that. There's no way. So wasting your time arguing with that is, you know, well, it's a waste of time. Uh, I also like that you mentioned that you're going to have to do a serious mindset for yourself uh, with regards to going there. So if you're going to go there and travel solo, you, you need to be prepared that that is going to happen to you. Because clearly it's different traveling with the male than it is traveling by yourself. So you're going to have to do a, a mental shift in knowing that it's going to be different for you, mm-hmm. I think. And I think I, uh, preparing yourself for that as much as possible, I think, is probably going to help. Yeah. Uh, you bring up a very good point on culture shock there as well. Because yeah. it, it is different. So you really can't go in there behaving how you would behave here. You really got to let a lot of that go. And I think you really need to be on guard in a lot of different ways. It's definitely important to go in with no expectations because once you set expectations for yourself, it's very easy to get frustrated. Get frustrated Um, or be disappointed. Yeah. And the other thing I want to note is like, I think obviously this is from my subjective perspective. I know other women who had, amazing times in Morocco with no problems at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really depends on the way that you travel, where in Morocco you travel and the people you encounter. Um, I've also noticed that like some women are more, I don't want to say resilient, but it doesn't impact them mentally or emotionally in the same way um, Mm -hmm. to have this kind of male attention on them. Um, so I, I can't say that this is a blanket experience for all women. Like it's not my place to speak for the experience of all women. And then the other thing I want to note is that like, I had an incredible time in Morocco, despite this experience, I carried on with my trip and I don't regret a single moment of it because leaving that country, I, I feel that I had the patience to, to look for the things that were good and to appreciate the things about that culture that really are incredible and beautiful and worthy of positive attention. Um, on our podcast, we did an interview a while back with No White Saviors. They're a campaign mm-hmm. that counters um, um, just like travelers who travel with a bad perspective. And right. they make a really good point. They say you need to travel for what a country has, what they can offer you rather than what they don't have. And I think right. that's a good example of that because there is much to see. There, Morocco has a lot. This is something that they don't have, but I don't wanna end this conversation by saying like, I don't want people to think that that is Morocco because there is so much good and so much beauty there. And that's what you need to look for when you travel there. And I totally agree with you. The purpose of me doing this podcast is to bring out these stories to let you know that this stuff is very real, but my goal is never to put down any country. Um, We talk about situations that happen in countries, but it doesn't mean that um, that that country is is a bad country. And I definitely don't want to put down Morocco because I as well um, had an amazing time 
in Morocco. Um, I love the Medinas. I love the food. I because I I mean I'm I love lamb. Oh yeah, uh, so incredible. so Tajin. the food is oh. oh yes. Oh my gosh, the um uh, what's that thing? Is that the thing that's in the little triangle looking clay thing, right? Yeah, it's like a clay pot, and I break it open for you. Yes. Oh my gosh, uh, I had that in in uh, Cappadocia, Turkey as well. Um, Dang. yes, no. Yes, the the lamb. Oh my gosh! Like I, one of the 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 rice and lamb is like one of the best meals I've ever I've ever had. I love the spice racks, like the 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 piles of uh, spices and the the vibrant colors of the red and the orange and the yellow and yeah. and uh, I mean the smells and it, it is a sensory overload, but it's a beautiful thing. Like it's a beautiful type of anxiety. It's an amazing place, and it's definitely worth visiting. I must say, okay. If you're a woman and you're going to Morocco in Marrakesh, you can go to, um, they have hammams. So I'm sure you heard of these hammams. There are very touristy hammams, but mm -hmm. it is possible to go to a local hammam. It just takes a little more research and searching to find it. Um, but uh -huh. I managed to do that. I like, I went down a Reddit hole until I found the address of a woman's hammam and wow. went there and you paid like the equivalent of like 30 Canadian cents to go in. And um, it was one of the most peaceful experiences I had in Morocco. Oh, amazing. And it wow. actually was like, it really healed me from the traumatic experience that I had the day prior because I just went into this, this humid room full of Moroccan women. And it was like this insight into Moroccan life that I otherwise wouldn't have especially right. like the life of women in Morocco, because they're very separated. Women yes. like, are very much in the domestic space. And so this was one of the only ways I got to really access female culture, I guess you could say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I recommend doing that. Yeah. I did that in uh, Cappadocia as well. Uh, Cause they do, they separate the men from the women and yeah. And that, and for the listeners, that's the, uh, the bath. It's the it's their style of doing the almost like a sauna style bubble bath with soap and <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. It's uh yeah they really lather up the towel and they it's it's really nice experience it really is yeah yeah definitely absolutely oh my gosh well uh, thank you so much for sharing um, your story uh, where can people find you. Uh, you can find me on my blog, which is www.pinatravels, that's P-I-N-A, dot org. And then you can listen to my podcast, which is Alpaca My Bags. And you can find us at www.alpacamybags.ca. And we're on Instagram, um, at alpacamybagspod. I would definitely check, listen to her podcast. It's great. It's a fantastic podcast. You guys do a great uh, job on that show. Thanks, it's Chris. Fantastic. 